in praise. So come, let us lift our voice in praise to the rock of ages, to the God who saves us. Come, glorify his name, all the earth together, all the saints and we are his people, and we are his people. The first reading is from Isaiah, the sixth chapter. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two wings they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. He said, go and tell this people, be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused, make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, for how long, Lord? And he answered, until the cities lie ruined without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the terebinth and oak leaf stumps when they are cut down, this is the word of the Lord. The psalmody for today is Psalm 138. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. 
I will bow down toward your holy temple and will praise your name for your unfailing love and your faithfulness. For you have so exalted your solemn decree that it surpasses your fame. When I called, you answered me. You greatly emboldened me. May all the kings of the earth praise you, Lord, when they hear what you have decreed. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. Though lofty, he sees them from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your right hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. The Lord will vindicate me. Your love, Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is from 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer say amen to your thanksgiving since they do not know what you are saying? You are giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the fifth chapter. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gesenaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. He sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish. Their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. 
And when they brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. This is the gospel of our Lord. All right, so today we're presented with another epiphany. Um, So far in Luke's gospel, Jesus has been baptized. That's one of the epiphany things. We get to see the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit together in one in one spot. It was awesome. Full of the Spirit. Then after his baptism, we see that the Spirit leads him into the wilderness. And there for 40 days, the love of his Father prevails. And his obedience to the Father prevails. And he overcomes all the temptations because of that love and obedience. And he comes out of the wilderness as a victor. 40 days. Then he begins a tour of public teaching and a ministry um, that for everybody who witnesses him in this initial tour, at the end of each day, it says that all, that means everybody would say this, to him the glory. Like whatever they saw going on in Jesus and his teaching and his miracles, that at the end of that day, they said, the glory is to him. And then Jesus goes, after that little stint in Luke's gospel, Jesus goes home for a few days. That didn't go so well. And we won't talk more about that, but that just didn't go so well. After he leaves Nazareth, then he continues on. He goes to Capernaum. And now in Capernaum, he teaches. And he teaches powerfully in such a way as when he goes into the synagogue and there's demons in the synagogue, they're just demons in the churches. They always are trying to harass and to, to lower God's people and to distract us, right? To hinder that ministry. Jesus calls the demon out, tells it to leave. And they witness that and they're saying, wow, even the demons submit to him. How powerful. He leaves that synagogue, he goes to Peter's or Simon's house, and his mother-in-law is sick. He heals her, she serves. He continues then to move about Judea, healing and teaching, and that leads us to today. We are now in the chapter 5 of Luke's gospel. Okay, That has taken place immediately preceding what we get to today. And today, what we read about, the very first words is that a large crowd is following Jesus, and they are pressing in on him because they want to hear what he has to say, and they want to be a part of the blessing that he is. And they're pressing in on him. They're following him as he's moving. And he walks until he can walk no longer because, oh, there is the Sea of Galilee. He's at the shoreline. I want to remind you, as I was reminded this last week, that that Jesus is walking with a purpose. Do you walk in your life with a purpose? Jesus does. He purposely moves from one place to another because inevitably there is someone there that he has a date with. They might not know about this date with God. In fact, the people who are following him might be clueless as to where Jesus is going and why he wants to be there on that day and at that specific time. But Jesus knows. Jesus knows. Jesus walks with a purpose to find a blind man over there, to find a little girl on the other side of a crowd who's died, to find a Syrophoenician woman way over there to find a Samaritan woman by a well. Today, Jesus walks towards a fisherman on the side of the Sea of Galilee named Simon. And he also walked to James and John, who were his partners. He walks today with a purpose. 
And now for the first time in Luke's gospel today, the story does not end with an amazed crowd who are shouting glory and a bunch of spectators who are saying, oh, isn't Jesus great? They're not saying, oh, isn't God wonderful, safely on the side just receiving his blessing. No, today it changes. The epiphany today invades the lives of those who are meeting Jesus on the side of the lake, and today it gets personal. Today, people are going to move from being spectators to followers. Today, people are going to be asked to move from being just in the crowd to being part of the crew. I'm telling you that right now up front. Today is not about the response of the other people to Jesus. Not about your husbands and your wives and your children and your friends in the sanctuary with us today. It's not about them. It's not about other people becoming disciples of Jesus or doing something for Jesus. No, the epiphany today, the revelation of God for us today is that you are called to collaborate with Jesus. You are. Your obedience will lead to blessing. And your blessing will lead you to want to follow And in fact, your blessing upon you and your life will spill over to the people all around you as it did in that gospel lesson. Collaboration with your Lord Jesus. Obedience to your Lord Jesus. Blessing from your Lord Jesus. And following your Lord Jesus. From crowd to the crew. Now, Jesus has timed his walk and the destination of his walk. He arrives at the Sea of Galilee at the right day and at the right time, as we mentioned earlier. And now that he's there, he sees two boats. He climbs into one of the boats. And now, most of the time when we read these things, people are like, okay, we're just kind of going along with the story, going along by the story. Like, that's normal. Folks, that is not normal, right? That's not his boat. They have never met Jesus before. He's not the owner. And I think that's kind of weird. That's kind of being fronty, like a little bit too forward. Some people here, and my friends say the cart's before a horse. He just climbed into their boat. If you think that that's normal, think about doing this. When you leave to church today, walk out to a car in the parking lot when the alarm goes off, just sit in the driver's seat. Pick out any car and truck that's out there, and you sit in the driver's seat. That's what Jesus did, and how normal will that feel to the person who's coming to get into their boat, their car? It'd be a little awkward. Jesus got into his boat. That's weird. Comfortable. He gets into Simon's boat, and at this point, something to highlight is, what do you think was the attitude of Simon at this point in the day? Don't answer out loud, but just kind of think about what was the attitude of Simon and his friends James and John that day, right? They've worked hard all night, all night. They've failed, not one fish. These are the professionals. They've been doing this their whole life. They've been out there, and they have utterly failed. They're defeated And maybe they're experiencing some financial stress in their life because if you are going to have a catch and you don't have a catch and you have that happen long enough, eventually they want to take your boat. They want to take your house. Your reputation is shot. You don't have finances. They start taking your stuff. 
you don't pay taxes, you, got to, you, you still have to pay taxes. So at this day, after a whole night of failed fishing, hmm, maybe it has some stress. Now that you've hauled your boats to the shore, you've gotten them to the shore, you've hauled your nets out, and they're laid out, you are cleaning them, and you're mending them, and getting them ready for maybe another opportunity on another day, you're ready to go home after working all night. Maybe you were hungry, and it's time to get some food. Maybe get some sleep. And here comes a traveling teacher, and he gets into your boat to teach like you're ready to go home and you can't because that guy's in your boat some stranger is in your boat and he's just yakking about stuff and you're tired and you're hungry and you're defeated because you didn't catch a fish and your bills are still there to make matters worse he says okay let's go out a little bit further and put your nets down for a catch You've got to be kidding. I mean, it seems to be common occurrence in the Bible that when, when people have failed, right, when they have no hope to succeed on their own, when the strength and their capacity to succeed is spent, and when the others can't come to their rescue, that's when God shows up, and that's when God does what only God can do with love. I think he does that in the story on this day. And a reason and a time intentional walking there so that they would know that it was God who did the miracle. You know, I would bet that Simon thought if he, if he didn't think it, he might have even whispered it under his breath. Teacher, you stick to teaching and let us stick to fishing. Regardless if he thought it, and maybe his attitude shared, you know, displayed it, regardless of that, he still obeyed. Simon pushes the boat into the lake again. Simon gets into his fishing boat again, and he puts out the nets where they never catch fish. But Jesus said so again. Friends, that shows us that God can bless obedience even if you have bad attitude. You don't have to feel the desire to collaborate with God. You don't have to feel it. You don't have to have warm fuzzies and say, oh, I delight in the Lord. It doesn't have to be anything about that. You don't have to feel the desire to be obedient to God, right? You don't have to feel it. Just do it. Collaborate with Jesus. Obey Jesus. And then sit back and watch what God can do. Sometimes the greatest blessings are on the edge of our greatest disasters and frustrations. So, collaborate with Jesus. Obey Jesus. And watch what God can do. Now you also might think, well, I'm not Simon and I'm not like one of those disciples, right? I'm just me. I'm in the year 2022. I've, this is what I've got. You know, the reason why, this is a curious thing. You have to work with me a little bit on this. The reason why Jesus approached Simon on that day, why he walked to be there on that day and in that place was that Simon was there and Simon has a boat. That's why he was there. 
you know, the creator of all things, seen and unseen, he wants to partner with his creation. Here's the word of God. And in John 1, the word of God was with God. And when he spoke, creation came. He's the light of the name. I mean, this is God in, in the flesh. He's able to walk on water. And he's inviting the man with a boat to let him into his boat and to let him have control. You know, I was just thinking about that. Jesus could have walked out on the water he created. He came to the edge of the lake. Not a problem. I'll just go stand over here, ride the waves, and talk to the crowd. And if it would have been me there that day, I would have done that. Oh, heck yeah, I would have done that. I would have wanted to stand on the water and let everybody know what I can do, right? I'm the one who spoke the word, and now there's waves. And I spoke the word, and there's fish. And I'm the one who speaks the word, and you can... I want to let you know that. Maybe that would inspire you to listen and maybe inspire you to be moved from the crowd to part of the crew. I would want to do that, but Jesus didn't. Jesus says, I want your boat. You know what that means? It means this. I want your life. I want your weakness. I want to use your strength and your intellect and your heart and your fears and your creativity. I want to build a church where people of all different kinds and types and colors and languages and the rich to the poor, from the abused to the healthy, from the addicted to the free, those that have good attitudes and those that have bad attitudes. I want to gather them all. I want to collaborate with them. I want them to obey me and I want to bless them. People, I want to use your boat. Friends, we tend to make excuses, right? Make excuses for not telling Jesus, use my boat. Oh, I'm a sinner. I'm not popular. I'm too busy. I'm too old. I'm too young. Too tall, too short. I don't know enough. I'm a lousy public speaker. I can't talk to crowds or strangers. I fished all night and I failed to catch a single fish. Think about this. Jesus, He didn't need Simon's boat. Simon needs Jesus' blessing on his boat. God was God before Simon ever showed up. And if Simon said no, Jesus would have used the other boat. Friends, whoever's willing to let Jesus use their life and their resources and and all that can be your boat, Jesus will collaborate with you and bless you. And you can say no. You can. And then if you say no, Jesus will keep doing his ministry just without you. Or you can collaborate and you can obey, and you can give God your boat. Question for you today, right here, right now, can God use your boat? Can God use your strengths, your weaknesses, your broken, your exhaustion for his glory? Will you give God access and control of your life, your boat? We're not. Oh yeah, Lord, get close, but not in my boat. 
right? Come on. Well, not too much. That's, this is one of those stop, swing the, 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 the straight arm out and get him. Your boat. Will you partner with Jesus? Will you trust that Jesus knows the best times and the best places to fish and he can absolutely bless your life when you're at the end of your rope? You know, it's a great thing to have the Son of God in your boat. When you're collaborating, obeying the Son of God, there's a blessing and a freedom, and, and it's for all time. Think about this. When Simon pushed his boat off into the lake, and he was letting Jesus in there for a while, right? He thought he was just loaning Jesus the boat, maybe for an hour, maybe at the most a couple of hours. What a surprise. A one-hour boat ride turned into spending the next three years of his life chasing this miracle worker from one side of the lake to the other side of the lake, from town to town. He didn't know that he would see Jesus bring sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf. He never saw that the, deaf, the, the, the demon-possessed people would be set free. All because he gave Jesus a ride in his boat. He... His life was never the same. A one-hour ride went to the summation of his life. Today and every day for the rest of your life, I invite you to say these words. Jesus, if you speak it, I'll do it. And I don't have to understand. And Jesus, I don't have to see the end of the story. And Jesus, I don't have to have control over it. And actually, I can have a bad attitude and not even have a lot of hope in it. But Lord, if you say it, I will do it. Let's go for a ride. Let's go for a ride in the boat. A couple of things before we end. The biggest problem that Simon had before Jesus, the biggest problem that Simon had before Jesus... If I was to ask you a question going into today's Bible lesson, what was that problem? What was the biggest problem that Simon had before Jesus showed up? No fish. That was his biggest problem. One word from Jesus. And what was his biggest problem? Too many fish. That's a lesson for the church, is it not? The biggest problem from some, for some congregations is they have no fish. Maybe they need to invite Jesus into their boat a little more and a little more completely. Maybe we need to collaborate and obey Jesus a little bit more and actually do what he says to do. Simon, who becomes the rock of the church, right? He, he gets renamed. Peter, this, this person that he'll build his church upon. He discovers it with Jesus and obedience with Jesus that letting Jesus enter and control the boat and the nets, that if he does that, the greatest problem will be that his boat is too small. And the nets, they're not strong enough to contain the Lord's blessing. What's a lesson for us in your lives and as a church from that? Another piece, just two more after this, one more after this. In many of the Bible stories, in many churches, there is the crowd. They show up, they get the music, they get the message, and if they don't feel like coming, they can watch online. 
But then there's the crew. Jesus spoke to Simon, and Jesus speaks to everyone today. I see you on the shore amongst the crowd. Are you interested in moving from the crowd to my crew? Can I use your boat? Now, the crowd is a great place to start. It is. You've got to start someplace. The crowd gets the message. They see what's going on. But the crew, the crew, they get the miracle. You want to be the crowd or you want to be the crew? Personally, I want the miracle. Third thing, last thing, thinking about this miracle, the greatest blessing that God gave Simon actually was not the miraculous catch. You know, think about it. Those fish in the desert in about one or two days, what are they going to start to smell like? The greatest blessing that God gave Simon was that he found him and that he invited him to follow him for life. If the greatest miracle that day was the millions of dollars of fish, then I'm convinced that Simon and James and John would have stayed with their boats and stayed with the millions. Woohoo! We are blessed and we are set for life. Simon and all the other boats, though, they pulled their boats onto the shore, sinking with the wealth. And do you remember what they did? They left the greatest miraculous financial blessing of their life that they've ever heard or dreamt of because that wasn't as important as following the one who gave them the blessing. The world can have the fish. I want Jesus. The epiphany today, the revelation of God today, is that you are called to move from the crowd to the crew. You are invited to collaborate with Jesus in a life of service to others, that you will love them the way you love yourself. Think about that. And that you will give because nothing's more important than Jesus. And in giving, you're blessed. Today you are invited to obey the word of Jesus in a life of holiness. Where in your life are you living where your life is not in holiness and righteousness? When G- where, how are you living in such a way is that God's not smiling on that area of your life? Well, today you say, no more. I will obey Jesus. You are to discover a life of blessedness with Jesus. And you are to follow the Son of God and help others do the same thing. God, give us wisdom and strength and courage to be your crew, be your church. Amen. Let us declare our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. 
and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. On the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus. Gracious Father, you are the Lord of our beginnings and our endings, and all that lies between. We praise you for the ways in which you find us, even when we want to hide. We praise you for how you have poured out upon us blessing after blessing, whether we're aware of it or not, for how you have reached out to us and come to us, for how you have spoken to us. Help us to commit ourselves to Jesus and to the family he has called us to be a part of. Help us to be members of his visible body in our homes and community. Lord, in your mercy. Lord Jesus Christ, help us discern your will as individuals and as your church. Help us to give honor and glory to you, to be challenged enough that we have to rely on you, to grow enough in faith that your body may be strengthened and your good news be proclaimed. Lord, in your mercy. We hold before you the joys you have blessed us with, our families, our church, our friends, our world. Thank you for the love between husbands and wives and ask you to bless those who are celebrating anniversaries this week. Thank you for sharing your children with us for a time and season. Please bless those we know and love who celebrate birthdays this week. Lord, in your mercy. God of healing and hope, anoint the grieving with your comfort, that they may know your light even in the time of their deepest darkness. Anoint those broken in body and spirit with your healing, so that they may know you as Lord of all their days and as a present help in time of trouble. Hear our prayers now for those we name in our hearts. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray. We will trust in you and your promises. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. 
Amen. Amen.